Hello and welcome to the Hurley Edition, episode number six. We are at the half dozen, folks. You know, and just thinking, this was not written, this was not planned. Six pack. A six pack of episodes. What way to celebrate the six pack than by talking about beer? And now, I know if you're listening, you're either like super into beer. Uh, and, and, you know, the, the whole craft beer movement, trying different beers, learning to things about different beers, going to different breweries, or you're just flat out not. So if you're in the second in the second group, uh, you know, maybe give this episode a whirl, but I, I can't make any guarantees. I will tell you that when we start, the, the idea of this episode, let's, let's back it up a little bit. The, the, the idea of this episode is finding your summer beer. It's, you know, July 4th is coming. This is a big cookout weekend. It's going to be a big cookout week with July 4th on a Tuesday. You might have three or four straight days of going to cookouts or barbecues, whatever you want to say, the coolers are going to be full and maybe you want to work in a little bit of variety. And I know I can speak for myself personally. I always end up going to the old standbys. I always end up getting an IPA or a double IPA, one that I know is going to be good and that is going to taste like most every other IPA or double IPA I've had. So my idea was let's branch out. Let's try some less heralded styles, some some lesser known breweries, some some. Uh, you know, things I, I'm not aware of. Let's bring in a beer expert, and I know one. He works at Craft Beer Cellar. Uh, he's a former, he, he actually used to, um, he was an editor of, of some local newspapers, and he was my first boss in that I wrote, I covered Woburn High School football for him. I covered Bromfield soccer for him. I covered Reading basketball for him. Uh, this was how I got started uh, getting paid to write after college. So uh, his name is Mark Goodman. I owe a lot of thanks to him uh, for that first job, that that opportunity. It doesn't sound like much writing about uh, high school sports, but uh, A, I needed a job, I needed experience, and B, it really was good experience. For any aspiring sports writers out there, cover local sports, cover high school sports, cover your college teams, because uh, when you're out there doing it sort of on your own with a notepad and, and devising your own plan, you, you learn a lot about the process and you get much better at it. So there's there's the sports writer um, suggestion for the week, but Mark uh, has been working at Craft Beer Cellar now for four or five years, uh, closing in on five years, and he's really knowledgeable, uh, really smart, and really polite uh, when it comes to someone like me coming in and just getting whatever IPA they have. So um, I wanted Mark to come in and provide some alternatives for people like me that are, are stuck in the IPAs. And actually, he even provides one. Say you're you know, more of like a Bud drinker or a Coors Light drinker. Uh, he recommends one beer that, that is a good, I think he called it a gateway beer. Uh, if you want just some more variety in your life. Some people don't, and I understand that, and I'm sorry, but I, if I just did an episode about how much, you know, how much Budweiser you want to buy? It's it's really not much to talk about. So hopefully you enjoy it. Uh, hopefully you get something out of it. I appreciate you checking it out. Um, this is the the July Fourth edition of the Hurley edition. Maybe I could have worded that better. This is the July Fourth episode of the Hurley edition, and we're going to help you pick a summer beer. So uh, let's let's stop waiting around and let's get to it. All right, Mark Goodman in studio. Craft Beer Cellar, here to do the all-important beer episode of the Hurley Edition. Mark, thanks for coming in. Uh, thank you for having me. It's a, a pleasure. I'm glad. I'm glad you're here. As background, as you know, but no one else knows, you were my first boss in the media world. You were my first professional boss. As much as one can be a freelancer's boss. Yeah. I well, so, yes. I, I searched my Gmail today for the history, and I must have written 
maybe like 30 stories about like Reading high school basketball That's and right. I probably made at least $100 on all those stories so it was <laughs> it was worthwhile maybe from that. a couple hundred yeah it was actually really embarrassing reading some of the conversations we would have about high school basketball players and how in-depth it would get so it was uh it was a useful uh period but i'm glad i don't no longer i no longer know the intricacies of reading high school basketball right well that was a banner time for that program and i think your attention to detail with that really really stood out yeah it was like that. it was like a movie basically yeah you've obviously transitioned professionally into the beer world correct how has that how has that been and what well what drove you to to the beer world and, and how i mean to me I'm, a, I'm an intimidatable person so when it comes to like expert knowledge on things i always feel like I, I should just stay out. Like I applied for a job in high school at Daddy's Junkie Music, and I just bombed the test. Like I don't, I don't, I couldn't describe every difference between a Les Paul and a Strat. How was it? Was there any like uh, hump you had to clear, or books you had to read, and studying you had to do, or were you already pretty well trained? Uh, a, a little bit. It started as with uh, a lot of people I know. I got laid off from the newspaper industry. Mm. Uh, <laughs> me and millions of others. Um, a, a tradition that still carries through to this day. Now moving to the web. That's correct. Yes. Yeah. yeah we're we're all over the place now. <laughs> um, craft beer had always been kind of a hobby of mine. Uh, I'd been into it for a while, and um, you know, at our flagship store in Belmont, I had been a customer for a while, and um, you know, it, the transition uh, was was pretty straightforward. You know, when the opportunity arose for me to take a part time job, the one requirement um, that we have for all employees of all of our stores is uh, passing the uh, Cicerone certified beer server test. Okay. Uh, Cicerone is basically, it's like a sommelier program for beer. Okay. And there are four different levels. The first of which is the certified beer server. Okay. Um, it's, if you work in the beer industry, uh, it's, it's pretty straightforward. Okay. Um, and then obviously it gets progressively more difficult after that. There are like the highest levels, master Cicerone. And there, I think there's 11 or 12 of those in the world. And that, that's insane. In the world. I've I've seen folks prepare for that. Um, and they probably don't pass it. Uh, very rarely. Um, one of our, uh, co-owners has taken it twice and at least one time, if not both times, everybody that took it with her failed. Or wow. it didn't pass, I guess, maybe is the better way to put See, it. See, that's but, not my kind of test. Yeah. That's not my kind of test no, right there. No, uh, the success rate is, is very low. It's a very exclusive club. But, uh, you know, the, the education is, 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 pretty, is a pretty key part of what we do. And you've been there a few years now? Uh, it'll be five in August. Nice. Yes. Nice. Yes. So it's obviously going well. And so I knew you, and I've, I wanted to do a beer podcast because... I really wanted someone to come in and solve this conundrum for me. And I think I'm not alone in this. A lot of people who have tried, I don't know, hundreds of beers and we sort of know what we like. But I mean, I walk into a store nowadays and there's literally over a hundred choices. Yep. It's hard to exit that comfort zone where, you know, I, I've tried, you know, I've tried some, some ghosts. I've tried like a, a Kolsch. I've tried like all these different types of beer, but I always end up just getting an IPA or a double IPA because I know I'll probably like it. Right. It'll probably be, you know, sufficient. It'll pack an alcohol punch and I'll be happy. So my goal, my, my goal in bringing you in was to help people like me and anyone out there listening to branch out and explore what might be out there that we're missing. Sure. So I think, I think you're, you're the guy for the job. Thank you. Well, I appreciate you thinking of me for that. So, I I don't know if you have a plan, a strategy. I see eight beers on the 
one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. I can't count. It looks I like eight. I, I, I snuck one in after I sent you the original picture. I hope that's okay. That's fine. That's All fine. Right. So are you starting on the left side and moving along? How, how do you want to do this? We can we can do this any way we want. Well, because let's, let's start let's start with with the house logger from Jack's Abbey yep. because I think that's a good one for everyone that isn't necessarily even into craft beer or into different styles. If you're a Budweiser drinker or a Coors Light drinker, you might actually like this one. Absolutely. Uh, you know, there's this phrase in the beer world, the, uh, the gateway beer, oh. uh, in the craft beer. Um, some people subscribe to that phrase, others don't. But, um, you know, I think this, this is kind of a classic beer that would kind of serve as that. If, you know, if you've drank Bud or Miller Lite or whatever and you're looking to you go wanna, to the other side. You want to drink a beer where people really cared about it, made it. Right. It's uh you know it's it's very well made but it's it's highly drinkable. Yes. I think is one of the big keys and you know it's it's kind of simple and complex all at the same time. Uh you can have a few of these and you know a big you know to me a big part of summer drinking in particular is uh, sessionability. Mm-hmm. Being able to have out know, golfing. Stuff. Yes. Barbecues. Right. You're not going to pass out after one or two. Correct. You can, you can pass out after six or seven probably, right. but if you go that that's far, your fault. Yeah, that's your problem. That's on you if you go <laughs> that far. But I've had this at, uh, the House of Blues actually carries it, so nice. it's a good concert beer too. Yeah, no, you, uh, you see this around a lot. I think they have it in Fenway. Uh, oh, really? I see pictures all the time. Yeah. Of, you know, I mean, top, everything they do. That place is a great take in Spot Framingham. On. It's a good yes. spot. If you want to really get wild, I've had a peanut butter and jelly beer there once. They do that. Which was intense. Yes. But, but it certainly had nothing to do with the house lager. Right. So, so the house lager, I think, I, gateway, gateway beer, I'm going to write that down because that's, that's pretty good. That's good. Yeah, no, that's a good one to know. Uh, nice, clean, crisp, well-balanced. As you said, you can drink a few. You don't have to worry about it. Uh, as you said, I mean, Jack's Abbey in Framingham is, is tremendous. I mean, this beer and their brewery is always been one of our right. sellers since, yeah. since they came out. So That's when I always end up getting either the excess or the uh, mass rising. It just always ends up in my cart. Th- those would be in your wheelhouse. Yeah. yeah. I just, I can't help myself. Right. There's Understood. 300 beers, but I'll get that one 12 times. But, yep. All right. You know, lagers in general is kind of um, been a bit of big rising trend in craft beer uh, over the last five or six years. I think, you know, among... Uh, you know, among the judgmental folks of which I am not one, um, you know, there was always this stigma around lagers and pilsners and that because too heavy or malty or uh, well, m- more that it was kind of like associated with the you know the quote unquote macro beers. Gotcha. Um, they're also a little more difficult to make. You have to make them. You have to uh, you have to lager them. Hence the name. Uh, you have, it ferments cold. It ferments for a longer period of time, so it's a little more difficult to make. But over the last few years, uh, and I think Jack's Abbey around here has been a big part of it. It's mm-hmm. really been a big explosion of, uh, you know, Pilsners and other beers in the lager category. And it's, uh, I like it as one who likes a nice, clean lager. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think beer like this is, is pretty perfect for that. I see that one on sale a lot, too. You get like a 15-pack for under 13 bucks or something yes. like that. So yeah, it's, absolutely. it's super, uh, in terms of volume, it's, it's a good, good buy. Yep. All right, no Jack's doubt. Abbey House Lager. You've got one down. There's one. Next up. Here's another local favorite of mine, Mayflower Summer. Um, it's kind of, it's a sessionable Belgian style. Okay. Um, the, the Belgian thing, I think, kind of scares some people off. There's a lot of flavor there that is not common necessarily in right. what people are used to drinking. Right. Uh, I mean, I, I think they're delicious. My, my primary love in craft beer is Belgian and Belgian styles. But um, this, uh, this is also made with uh, some rye as well. You get a nice little kind of rye spice, 
3.8% ABV. Real low. Uh, yes, uh, I think that's probably the lowest one I brought. So definitely falls into that uh, that sessionable realm. Um, you know, and again, that rye kind of gives it a nice little kick. That's a little bit unique. Uh, There's a boat on the can. Correct. So it's good for boating. Yes. I think that's undeniable. Especially Pilgrim era ships. Yes, if you have a tall ship with yep. giant sails, mul- multiple masts. No, that seems like a good, I mean, it's called Summer. It's made by Mayflower. Plymouth? Correct. Yes. So, I mean, you're going on the boat. I think that's that's the choice. Uh, this this would be a, a perfect choice for it. I like it. Crushable. As, Crushable, as yes. As the kids say. Now. Though Belgian beers, you typically aren't going to swallow the way you might uh, a Bud Light or something like that. Typically not. Typically uh, not. But this one, you know, it has uh, the Belgian character is a little bit more subtle in this one uh, compared to some of the bigger ones. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, no, this, this beer is outstanding. I had a couple of years a few nights ago and highly enjoyed that experience. Nice. And I meant to say this to speak to the sort of over IPA explosion is that I saw Omegang has an IPA now. And like if that brewery's making an IPA, then it's just... It's, That's when you it's, know. It's gone too far. <laughs> like, it's just easy money at that point. That, that I mean, I've been up there over to Cooperstown, and, like, that brewery, I don't really like Belgian beers that much. It was awesome. It was just just awesome. And so when I saw their IPA, I was like, what? what? How? I don't know how, how it got that far into the market, but... That's where they're at. Well, sometimes you you do what you got to do to uh, keep the keep, lights on, keep, keep the people coming. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I think I think Gang is pretty fine in that regard. But um, you know, it's all part of a, a big part of craft beer overall is kind of experimentation. You know, mm-hmm. you can read a lot of stories about German breweries making American style IPAs. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, whereas I think we're starting to here in the U.S. kind of take on more German styles, particularly in the in the lager category. Uh, it's going the other way too. Uh, German breweries and English breweries making American styles, which uh, inevitably, more often than not, is is the IPA. But um, so you know, it's good to see that kind of culture is kind of it's kind of crossing both both ways across the ocean. Yeah, it's just weird because beer's been around for so long, but the past ten years, I feel, have pushed everything so quickly. It really has, without a doubt. All right, number three. Um, so next, I'm gonna go with. Uh, maybe sticking with the Belgian theme a little bit. Okay. Um, Allagash Hoppy Table Beer. Interesting. Uh, so table beer, um, again, obviously also Belgian style, um, but lower in alcohol. And it's named that way um, after uh, tra- traditional Belgian beers. So you have table wines mm-hmm. in Belgium, um, you know, a couple of decades ago and up through now they have table beers, uh, just, you know, again, kind of easy drinking, lower alcohol, drinkable beers that you just have sitting around the table and almost like a house beer, right? Sort of essentially yes. concept. Yep. Um, and this one, it's, uh, you know, it's kind of a nice blend between that traditional, uh, Belgian beer making, which, you know, Allagash is obviously really known for, mm-hmm. uh, and they did kind of Americanize it by making it, making it a hoppy table beer. Um, so the hops give it a little bit more character, um, but still, again, highly drinkable, sessionable. Uh, I think this one's like 4.4, 4.8% ABV, um, so still under 5. Um, the table beer has kind of um, become a thing around here, uh, thanks in large part to Mystic Brewery in Chelsea. Okay. One of my absolute favorite beers, which I didn't bring with me. Mm, um, must not like it that much. Uh, <laughs> there's only so much room I had in my that's, bag to come true. with me today. That's yeah. true. Plus it's a 750. Oh. A little liter package, but you can get it for like eight bucks. 
um, really delicious beer. You go to the brewery, you can have it in a liter mug, and it's uh, it's awesome. Nice. Um, so yeah, no, I I really uh, I really like that style. It's a pretty new beer for Allagash. And how does that compare? Because Allagash White is so so popular. I remember being out in California and seeing an Allagash bottle on the side of the road. So it's clearly yeah. uh, made an imprint. How does this one compare to the Allagash White, which I think a lot of people have had? Absolutely, yeah. Um, so obviously, with it being the you know the hoppy table beer. Um, there's a little bit more of a of that hop component to it, needless to say. Um, whereas this is kind of more of a farmhouse style at its base. Uh, you get some more kind of like stone fruit esque uh, mm-hmm. elements to it. Whereas the Algash White, very traditional whip beer, orange peel and coriander. So you get more of a citrus, a little bit of spice from the coriander. Mm-hmm. Um, but really nice beer. And like Jack's Abbey, Allagash was a pretty good place to visit up in Portland. It's right across the street from the. Yes. Thistle Brothers and Foundation and yep. another one that was named after a street that was less memorable, something street. But it was a nice little uh, beer Saturday afternoon if anyone's uh, going to Portland. Portland's a, a great spot to do that. Uh, Rising Tide's another brewery up there that makes some excellent beer. So you could you could spend the whole week mm-hmm. just in Portland alone doing that yeah. if you wanted to. That was a, a, a sad reality of a bachelor party I was at last year. We were all 30... Most of us married or about to be married. Yep. Just basically went to breweries and ate pizza. That was that was the bachelor party. It was wild. Right. Yeah. It was it was actually great. I would yeah. prefer that over any other kind of I was gonna say party. that 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 sounds that sounds pretty perfect to me. It's very enjoyable. Yes. Very enjoyable. All right, Allagash is down. Yep. What's up next? Uh number four. Let's see. Uh we can get into maybe a little bit of sour beer. All right, you yeah. You want to do that? That'd be interesting because yeah. I've, I've, that's something that would be helpful for me because like, I've had a couple good sour beers and I've had a couple sour beers that I have not enjoyed at all. Okay. So that sort of led me just to, like, I, I'm, I don't know what I'm doing, so I'm going to back off. <laughs> yeah. So this will be helpful. Uh, but you've tried. Yeah, and I've uh, enjoyed it. I've enjoyed good. it. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's interesting. You say sour beer to, to some folks and you know, I think their, their mind kind of, and understandably so, goes to like spoiled, rotten, yeah. sour. Old milk. And, yeah, uh, these are not that good. Uh, these are uh, a couple, and uh, there's so many more options now. That's this is another category that's really taking off. But mm-hmm. uh, so I bought three with me actually. Uh, the first one of which is Dogfish Head Festina Pesh. Okay, they call it a Neo Berliner Weiss. Uh, Berliner Weiss, as you can probably gather by the name, German style uh, wheat beer, sour wheat beer, and this one is made with peaches. Um, big reason I like it is uh, it has some good peach character without it getting cloyingly sweet. Okay. Um, which I think uh, some less well-made fruit beers can do. You um, want a hint. You don't want yeah. to, to take a bite out of a peach. Right. You don't want to be punched in the face with it. Um, and it works well uh, kind of with the you know natural sour characteristics. Um, you know, I think... It's a good food beer as well. Okay. Uh, this would be good for you know your backyard barbecue or just you know if you're sitting around and want a few beers with your friends. Um, I've I've had a four pack of this with friends before, and uh, it's quite nice. Nice approachable beer too, which right. uh, which I like. Dogfish Head is. I mean, they've been around for for so long that it almost feels like. Everything is known, but that's one I've I've not even seen before. I don't believe so. Yeah, this has been the it's their summer seasonal. Okay, um, their packaging has changed, so it may look okay a little different than uh, some of the things you've seen around. It's been around for uh, at least a few years that that I can recall. But um, 
another thing I, I like about it is that I, they've dialed it in. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, sometimes with some breweries, particularly the the ones that haven't been around nearly as long as Dogfish Head, when you start adding those extra ingredients, you know, the difference from batch one to batch two mm-hmm. to batch three, you know, sometimes you don't always know what you're going to yeah. get. But they're pretty um, formulaic. They're yeah, Dogfish they, Head. They, uh, they they got it figured out. They got it dialed in, and they've they really nailed it with this one. I think. Speaking of the packaging, as a as a someone that's in a beer uh, environment all the time, I found that it's almost like you walk through the store now, and it's like, well, what what label is going to catch my eye? What can looks the best? I mean, even like Trogues, I feel like always makes a good solid beer. And I was kind of like depressed when they changed their whole look because they clearly had to try to jump off the shelf somehow. Have you seen like a, almost like an arms race in fancy cans and, and labels in the past, I don't know, two or three years? Absolutely. Yeah, I was going to say the last two or three years, it seems like almost everybody has kind of redesigned their packaging in one form or another. It's like judging a book by its cover. Totally. I mean, you're seeing there are some breweries now that will have actual art on their yeah, um, on their bottles or cans or I've had uh, those those I forget, but there's like a, a a jackrabbit on one and like just the most random stuff possible just to look different and stand out. Yeah, and I bought it, so there you right. go. Well, there I it got is. My so fifteen it, bucks. It worked. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's a Canadian brewery uh, called Collective Arts. I think that might be the one uh, that actually uses their cans like highlight artists and, yeah you know even within a four pack of the same beer you'll get two or three different drawings or sketches on their thing so uh yeah was, i mean there's a lot of creativity uh you know the key part for us as retailers is being able to assure folks that it's still the same beer because mm-hmm. uh, you know to use your example of Trogues, which is perfect one that was a pretty drastic change mm-hmm. that they made you know for anyone who's who yeah. knows what their packaging used to look like and what it looks like now. They basically went to like colored pencil, like a whole different color scheme, like right. different font, different everything. It a was big, unrecognizable. Yeah, no, and it it was. And I think a big part of it too was within their core lineup, their packaging looked different from one beer to the next. So it's a big part of it too is kind of streamlining and getting a little more brand consistency, which which can make sense, but uh, it, it can definitely take a little time to get used to the change. But, you know, as as we've said, it seems like everybody's kind of redesigned right. the last, in the last couple. Sam Adams has just done yeah. it. So, yeah, um, when they started advertising like Sam Summer in three different colors, you know, that that's when you know when, yeah. when Jim Cook is is going into color schemes on labels. You know that it's it's not not necessarily dire situation, but it's such a crowded marketplace that everyone's doing what they have to do. Absolutely. Um, you know, speaking of that, going a little bit off topic. I hope that's okay. Um, that's fine. Uh, this is podcast. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, that's right. No time limit. Um, another trend, which has been pretty clear to anybody that's shopped for beer lately, is cans. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, bringing up Jim Cook kind of made me think of it because he always used to swear he would never put his beer in cans, and he would never make a, a hoppy IPA either. Right. And marketplace dictates otherwise. Yep. Uh, he he didn't get to be a billionaire for no reason. He's he's not dumb. Nope. Uh, yeah, you know, everybody is making the transit. Not everybody. Most breweries are either coming out in cans or making that tradition off uh, that transition, offering some of their yep. beers in cans at least. So, of course, Sam Adams being Sam Adams, they had to invent their own can. They did. That's obviously a prereq, but you they know, did. Yes. it's still in a can. Yep, uh, specifically fitted for their their own beer. They say <laughs> um, works for me. Right. Uh, you open me, it and the beer's in it. Yeah. So it works. Uh, this is an, it's another thing that there is, and there still is with some folks, a stigma about beer in a can. Mm-hmm. Um, still, yes, really? uh, it's gone. It's gone down a lot the last few years. Um, 
I think part of it is people realize they're they're not really having a choice. Yes, um, it's a factor. Yeah, um, but I, you know, I think when Sam Adams kind of came out in cans, once people saw that, it was like, mm-hmm. all right, this is not just a fad or some trend that's going to go up and down. Like, beer is going to be in cans, and it's better for the beer. Uh, keeps it better. The seal is tighter. It keeps one hundred percent of the sunlight out. Mm-hmm. So. You know, it's not going to get light struck or anything like that. It's also 7,000% more convenient to drink. Yes. There's no broken glass risk. Nope. Easier to recycle. Uh, It's better for the breweries, especially if they're sending out masks. You can stack stack more and ship more at the same time. So No no breakage in the shipping. Correct. Yes. Cans it is. Most of the time. Well, yeah. It'll take a little something. A little puncture wound. You get a ceiling issue every once in a while. But uh, for the most part, I, I, I think it's a win. And not going anywhere so in the ones you brought today we got what, five five cans three bottles so. uh five out of eight in cans yes all right well we yeah. got four down let's move on to number five let's do it uh staying with the sour theme for a second so anderson valley uh is a brewery out in boonville california um and they uh have a series of gosas which is another uh german style with salt uh, right sour wheat beer with salt yes a uh, pinch of coriander as well um the salt should be subtle um, I remember the first time I ever had a Gosa. I'm not going to name the brewery. Uh, it was like drinking salt water. It's like a margarita like, beer. Yeah, I was like, holy. Like, was it a was it a limerita? It was not. Okay. Uh, <laughs> but if I didn't know what it was, I mean, it, it wouldn't have surprised me. Yeah. yeah. It was it was just over the top salty, and I don't mind that flavor. But yeah, that was like holy smokes, that was intense. But um, so this one from Anderson Valley. So I bought the gin and tonic Gosa. Hmm. Yes. You have my attention. Yes. Uh, if you like gin and tonics, yes, uh, you might like this beer. All right. Um, you get a little bit of that kind of uh, juniper-esque uh, character to it. Still gives way to a nice, clean, refreshing, refreshing finish. You get that hint of salt as you as you should in the Gosa. Um, Anderson Valley has really kind of hit it off with um, with this style. Uh, they have kind of rotating seasonal Gosas. The other one out now is Briny Melon. Hmm. Gosa, uh, made with watermelons, uh, and then they have their kind of "quote unquote" standard traditional Gosa as well, um, and they've they've done really well. I think this, at least in in our stores, anyway, has kind of become their their top seller. So that seems like a surprising. Well, first of all, thanks for not correcting me on the pronunciation earlier when I called it a ghost. Of course, so no Gosa. Um, it's like, that was close. It uh, I, four letters. It's really hard to really close butcher to it. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but. I'm sure some people call it a goose, thinking that the O is missing. But um, you wouldn't think if you're out at a cookout in 90-degree heat, you'd want a beer with salt in it. You'd think that would be dehydrating. But I find it's actually kind of a weird, great balance. Absolutely. I mean, the, the key to this style is, is the subtlety. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you, you want to be able to taste it just a little bit on the finish, but you don't want it to to kind of dominate the whole experience. Then you're right, then it becomes unappealing, particularly on a, on yeah. a hot summer's day. I've had the Uinta one. Yes. Which I enjoyed to the point of like fist pumping. Like, this is good. Nice. So that's that's where I've, I've dabbled into the Gosa. Gosa yes. category. But I'll try this G&T Gosa. Nice. Looks good. I've yeah. actually, this will surprise you, I've had the Anderson Valley IPA. What do you think? That's good. Yeah. <laughs> Just like they make good other. beer. Yeah. They make really good beer. Yeah. You well, can have this one if you want. Sure. We'll uh we'll write it up to marketing. Yeah, craft beer seller. Yeah. There you go. We'll be all right. Winner winner. There it's got go. a it's got a bear with uh, horns on it, like a moose. It does. There yes, all their packaging does. I scored a beer, folks. There it I is. Scored a beer. <laughs> all right, number six. Number six. Uh, so you had mentioned in, in your initial pitch 
maybe some fruited beers. Yes, I think uh, that's a good summer beer. It is, absolutely. Uh, so, I mean, we've talked about a fruited sour. So uh, here we have uh, a beer that I think many people around the Boston area might be familiar with by now, Happy Soul from Slum Brew mm-hmm. uh, in Somerville. Now have uh, a brewery in Taproom uh, in Somerville, Mass. And this is a Hefeweizen made with blood oranges. Mm. Uh, it's got a couple of things. It's got a little bit of honey and orange peel. And I'll tell you what, that can really pops. It does. That can pops. Absolutely. Um, their their imaging has come quite a long way, I believe, since five years ago. It has. And, or whenever uh, they started. Right. And, a bit, uh, you know, again, another big part of that, too. So they used to come out in 22-ounce bombers. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. that's, that's one package that's really started to go away. Um, I think a lot of folks have kind of asked for either 12-ounce format or 16-ounce cans are now absolutely all the rage. So mm-hmm. uh, that, was a, that was a smart decision, I think, when, yeah. when, when they made that move. Um, and I, I like a lot of their beer. I think this is the best one they make. Um, highly drinkable. You still get uh, a key thing for this, and then the next beer we're going to talk about is, you know, when you start adding all these extra kind of untraditional ingredients, you know, you see either will it be a wheat beer or you see some like citra dry hopped pilsners or something like that. And mm-hmm. the beers are, are good and I'll, I'll drink them all day, but you know, at, at some point it kind of stops being a pilsner almost or stops being a Saison or whatever the style is. But you know, this one to me, you still know you're drinking a Hefeweizen, even though it, you know, it has that extra blood orange citrus mm-hmm. uh, flavor to it. So um, I really like it whenever I go to the tap room or uh, you know, their um, restaurant American Fresh in, in Assembly Square in Somerville. I get this one just about all the time, and this is another one you can have three or four, and still it's, be it's, standing. It's amazing, and yeah, what's the you're percentage there? Yes, five and a half. Okay, yeah, so a little bit higher than some of the other ones, but not um, much. Yeah, you know that, that's the whole thing to to me. The summer beer drinking is if you're under seven. Yeah, you should be okay. Yes, should be. You can still get in trouble, but it, it depends. Well, yeah, it depends on your experience, I yeah. suppose. But depends on the day, you know, yes. the biorhythm and stuff like that. But slumber, I think, is another idea. Uh, interesting development sort of like jack's abbey where when when i first heard of jack's abbey i'm like eh, framingham i don't really want to drink a beer from framingham and with slumbrew i mean they, they called it slumbrew it's from somewhere i was like eh, i'm not really excited about that but they've done they've taken such massive steps i remember seeing them at the uh uh what's the beer festival that i used to go to the one at the castle in boston uh the beer summit yep. i saw them there i don't know must have been four years ago at least maybe five and it was sort of like Oh, that's nice. Somerville has a brewery, and it seems like they've taken a pretty strong foothold in the local area. They absolutely have, yeah. Um, more often than not, you go to a place in Somerville, you'll see them on tap. Um, they're building a new restaurant now in, in Assembly Square. They're going to have a whole big new space there. So um, they've certainly uh, found their niche locally, and uh, I think they're actually in a couple other states now. I want to say New Hampshire and maybe one or two others. But, um, no, they've, uh, they've certainly done quite well for themselves. Who knew? Somerville, Mass. Indeed. Uh, Tree Capital, Tree City, USA, and now Beer City, USA. Uh, And they're not the only one now. You got Winter Hill Brewing has opened now. Uh, Bantam Cidery is in in Somerville. So um, there's probably going to be one or two others coming down the pipeline. So um, who knew? Yeah. Who knew? Seems like that's kind of one of the biggest. Another big trend is every town like has their own brewery. Mm -hmm. Not literally, but. Every uh, fifth town, at right, least. At least, yeah. yes. Especially in that Malden, Somerville, Everett area. There's like a whole 10 of them, I think. Yeah. Maybe um, 10's high. Maybe it's not. I don't know. 
No, that's uh, it's shot, pretty close. Shot if, that one from the hip. Yeah, no. If, if you include Everett, I think I think you're about right. I, yeah. I remember reading some crazy statistic that you know, with you know, now that we're up over five thousand breweries across the country, it's like something like in eighty percent of the country, you're never more than ten miles away from a brewery, or something like that. Um, so there's it's checking out now. Yeah, there's a uh, there's a lot there's a lot to choose from. It's crazy for sure. Yeah, it's happening. I mean, yes. I used to live in Woburn and. Uh, I watched Lord Hobo go in and basically build a massive. Yes, I mean the the space is insanely large. Yeah. When they first moved in, they couldn't even fill it. I'm sure they're doing much more now, but uh, that's something that that area hadn't really been served, and now it's like you know, I would imagine it's popular. I don't go anymore as a father of two young daughters. I'm sure you can relate to of that. Course. There, there's I, not I as drink much. A little less now. There's not yeah. as much time to spend a Saturday at a brewery. Yeah. But Correct. You can still fit it in from time to time. Uh, once in a while, you just drag the kids. Yeah, that's true. Very family it. friendly. I've that's what's it. yes. A, a great development of our generation is that bringing children to drinking establishments because for some reason it's more acceptable at a brewery than a bar. It is. Same There's no question. Same concept is happening. There's just, you know, some cornhole and maybe like a giant Jenga thing. Yep. So it's, you know, kid-friendly. Uh, last summer I was vacation in New Hampshire. We went up to Tuckerman Brewing. Exactly what you said. There was room to run around as, as long as my daughter had a snack. She yep. was fine, and she looked at the cornhole boards, and my friend and I just... Sat and had a couple of beers, and it was uh, it was a magical afternoon. Our generation doesn't get enough credit for that. We get a lot of blame for a lot of things, but like we f- figured out how to bring children to drinking establishments and well, make it totally acceptable. Yeah, absolutely, I agree, and I think hopefully this episode, of the Hurley edition, will help promote that. Push it even as, further. That's a great yes. thing that we've done. Drink in front of your kids yes. <laughs> responsibly. Responsibly, always. Yes. Um, all right, let's go to number seven. Number seven, uh, Perzik Saison from Avery Brewing in Colorado. Boulder, Colorado, to be specific, uh, one of the great beer cities in our country. Mm. Uh, this is their summer seasonal. Uh, it's a saison made with peaches. Um, and again, kind of like what we were just talking about with, with Happy, Fo- Happy Soul from Slumbrew. It's a saison with peaches. You get the peach, but you still, you still get the farmhouse character uh, in this one. Um, definitely fruit character up front. We still get a nice, dry, refreshing finish. Uh, that you want from this style uh, this is actually it's a little bit higher than some of the other ones, six point four percent. I will I will tell you I had uh, a full six pack of these tailgating before a soccer game last summer at mm-hmm. Gillette, uh, and I I enjoyed every minute of it. <laughs> okay, it but was, you survived. I did. Well, you, you go in and watch the game for yeah. a couple hours and relax there. Yep. And by the end of the night, you're you're good to go. But summer heat. Yes. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. there you go. No, it's, it works. It's survivable. Um, and, and Avery is uh, a brewery that uh, has done a really good job making approachable, drinkable beers with fruit that there's this other segment of folks who kind of look down their nose at, at fruit beer. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think these guys have done a great job to make a, another beer called Lilikoi Capolo, which is a wit beer with passion fruit. Uh, you get a hint of tartness mm-hmm. from the passion fruit. Uh an incredible, amazing beer. Um, they've done a really good job with uh, with some of those beers. When you said fruited beers, the, actually the first brew I thought it was Avery. Um, I don't think I've heard of them before. Yeah, no. Is that well, possible? Uh, it is. Okay. It totally is. I mean, they've been in the marketplace for a while, but you know, I think they're another brewery that's kind of adjusting with the times and coming out with some some new beers and some new products that kind of their can doesn't jump out. Yeah. You know, they might need it. They might need a redesign. Fall victim to the to the times. I'll uh, I'll take it up with the representative. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, see what, you know. see what he thinks. Well, we're already doing enough. So, I mean, it looks good. Yes. And I, it's, you mentioned the, the, the development of, of fruit beers. I'm about to turn 31, so I've been, you know, going out for 10 years. Yep. It feels like 10 years ago, if you wanted fruit beer, it was either blueberry or watermelon. And that was basically it. And it was just like overpowering blueberries, usually with 25 blueberries dumped in your dumped beer. In, yep. Which doesn't really make a lot of sense, except you get blueberries in your teeth. Looks fine, um, I guess. But yeah. 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 Um, but that's... That's really come a long way with all the different fruits that you can find across the board now. It's uh yeah, it's like name a fruit, you'll you'll find a beer in it. It's guava, it's passion fruit, it's apricot. Uh, Again, why is it really? I mean, maybe because I've been more involved, but I really feel like the last ten years, so many changes have been made to a a beer. Beer's been around for longer than a couple decades, so I'm just. Yes. It seems like all the changes, or a lot more changes, are happening in the past. 10, 15 years than maybe happened in the previous however many, 40. I know. Well, I think it goes hand in hand with uh, kind of truthfully how competitive the marketplace has become and, uh, you know, breweries have to have to do things to stand out and, you know, six or seven years ago and maybe a little bit longer than that, uh, there was kind of this like extreme beer phase where you people were trying to make the biggest IPAs and the booziest imperial 18%. Yeah, and you know, 150 IBU triple IPAs and, and all that. And I mean, you can still find those for sure, but I think the marketplace in general now is kind of, it's kind of come back a little bit and it's kind of come back to the drinkability and sessionability and, you know, being able to, to have a couple of beers and an, an easy package is why you see the cans. Um, but then it's like, all right, well, if that's where it's going now, what do we do to stand out? And, right. You know, I think, uh, I mean, the, you certainly have a couple of different options, but uh, you know, I think putting putting fruit and beer and the breweries that that do it well, I think make do a really good job and make it approachable for you know the quote unquote fruity beer drinkers. Mm-hmm. Um, but but also for the folks, you know, if people may look at this and say, well, that's that's got peaches in it. I don't want that. But when they drink it, it's yeah. like, oh, that's this is actually quite good. It's one of the best fruit beers I've had, which is a common one in watermelon, was the Twenty First Amendment. Come hell or high watermelon. Yes. Because it was like, you wouldn't even, if someone didn't tell you it was watermelon up front, you might not even have noticed right away, but it's just, it was like just enough. And one of my grandest achievements was six of us were at a bar and I ordered it and got five other men to order watermelon beer with me. And I think that that's something that never would have happened in the nineties. Right. Impossible. So it's it's noble work you're doing. It's a brave new world. Yes. Brave new world we're in. All right. We might as well get to number eight. Number eight. Um, So this one, this one's a bit of the wild card here. Um, so this is a, a traditional goose from Belgium. Uh, Excuse me? A goose. Goose, not a gose. No. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's interesting. Some people have said a, a goose and I, they meant gosa, but... Um, so this looks, I mean, it looks like a little wine bottle. It does, yes. A uh, 12.7 ounce bottle. Uh, this is uh, San Louis uh, Fond Tradition Goose Lambic. Uh, it is from Belgium. Um, to me, so... Obviously, I think the beers we've kind of come up to this point are kind of, I mean, you can drink them however you want. It's a free country, but <laughs> it's, uh, you know, it's the its the cookouts. It's the hanging out with friends around the campfire, drinking a few. Funnel, uh, if that's yeah. your thing. Yeah. Cake if, stand. If, if, yep. Uh, if you, you can shop on them. Yeah, whatever, whatever you want to do. Um, this is kind of the more relaxing. Maybe you're by yourself sitting on the porch and you really just want to savor something awesome uh, in the warm weather. Um, it's a sour style as well. Um, it's 
this is kind of like, with the exception of Bière de Champagne, which which is a style as well, it's it's kind of along those lines in the sense that it's very effervescent, very refreshing, really nice. I mean, it's a little bit sour up front, but it's fairly subtle, really nice, dry, refreshing finish. And you take a sip and you're like, I really want, a, you know, I really want to try this again. And, and I, here you are. I, I picture sitting near a river and just watching watching the the water flow by. Yes. A real dad beer. Absolutely. Yeah. And you got one beer, it's 8.30 at night and you know you're not making it to 10. Right. You just crack one of these and enjoy it for 40 minutes. You want to go on a high note. Yeah, it's definitely one to savor. Um, you're probably not having more than one and two of these at a time. Uh, it's a little bit pricey than some of the other ones. Um, this one is going to be on the shelf for seven fifty, seven seventy five for the bottle. So uh, it's definitely for a special occasion. Or... Still as much as you're going to pay at a bar for a beer. So right. it's really... Correct. Yes. As long as you look at it that way, you yeah. can justify just about anything. No. And uh, I, you know, I, I absolutely love this style. And I think this is a, a really nice uh, representation uh, of, of that style. Um, it's not a beer you're going to, you're going to find everywhere. Um, but when you see it, um, it's, re- it's, uh, it's, it's worth checking out. And, uh, it's a beer that ages well as well. Um, this is one you can, you can, there are some gooses and other styles of, of lambic that you look at the label and it's good for 10 years. It's good for 20 years. Does it get better with age or, uh, it, it depends. Yeah. Um, I have a couple in in my cellar that have been around for a while. I guess we'll we'll find out, um, but or you could just drink it now. It's five percent too. Five percent, not going to knock you out. Yes, nope. Um, these are again. That's that's usually a pretty typical range for for this style and goose G U E U Z E. Yes, goo goo is how I would probably pronounce that. If you want to do it phonetically? Yes, goose so, works better than that. So the juice, if you want G- to go soft. That's true. Yes. Juicy. Whatever. You know, goo- goose. Yeah. All right. I learned something. There it is. Well, that's that's what we try to do. All right. So yeah. that's that's a pretty well-balanced, you know, palette there from from what would we could call it basic and still appreciate it. It's not it's not an insult to say it's basic. It's just it doesn't it's not hyper ambitious in any way. The the Jack's Abbey House Lager. It's greatly approachable. Yes. yes. It's it's great. I I enjoy that beer and all the way up to the goose. So there you go. We ran the gamut. Yeah. Something no, for everyone. And no IPAs. No IPAs. Well, how about this? If you did, gun to your head, have to uh, recommend an IPA or two. Yes. Or maybe a double IPA for people who want, you know, full-on alcohol bang for their buck. Yes. <laughs> what's uh, what's cooking this summer? Uh, so one of my so starting at the, the session IPA on the spectrum, my favorite in that style is Little Heaven from Two Roads Brewing. Okay. In Stratford, Connecticut. Connecticut, yep. yes. Uh, it's made with a few different hops, one of which is the Azaka Hop. Uh, which is my personal favorite hop. Gives it a nice uh, kind of tropical uh, aroma and flavor to it. Uh, that one's, I think, 4.8% ABV. You can get it in 12-ounce cans. You can get 16-ounce cans. Uh, nice, perfect, drinkable. The hops are there. You know you're drinking yeah. an IPA, but it's it's not, you know, it doesn't rip your tongue off. A good session is hard to find, I find, because it seems like they're like sort of in limbo. Though I, I know it's growing recently. It is. No, it's definitely become a big trend around here. Notch is kind of yeah. given that. Obviously, they're an all-session beer brewery. Right. Now, they're all own spot up in, up in Salem, and you go there, they're doing all sorts of funky things. They have English-style bitters. and I've heard good things. Yes. Again, two kids. It's not happening, but right. you know, for other people that live lives. Someday. Sounds like a good time. Yeah. Or, you know, if you can get away with for a few hours. It's true. A couple days a year. A couple days. Does Daniela allow that? Um. Yeah. 
I mean, it's workable. Okay. It's workable. It's just you it's feel bad. There, yeah. There's there's guilt you do. when you just leave. I mean, it's it's hard to do. I agree. No, you gotta you gotta work it out beforehand, and you know it's a trade off. Yeah. Usually put it on the calendar a couple weeks ahead. Correct. It'd Absolutely. Provide a couple of reminders. Yes. All right. Any other IPAs that are uh, you know sticking out to you? Ones uh, beyond the obvious ones. Yeah. No. Sure. Um, Flower Child from Cambridge Brewing, one of my favorites. I went to a Celtics game this year. They have those. Uh, had a couple of those. Nice. Uh, more floral, uh, hot presence to it. Um, Always I, recommend craft beers to anyone at the TD Garden because there are no lines ever at yes, the, at the no, craft beer lines. Yeah. You just walk right up and get your beer. Walk right up. I got two cans of Flower Child, went right back to my seat, and it was uh, it was wonderful. I think Cambridge Brewing, I think because they've been around so long, mm-hmm. um, I, I think they tend to get in some circles underrated. Um, but um, Will Myers and the team there makes amazing beers. I, I think it's some of the best beer in the area. It's good that he's overcome his uh, right field mishap in the 2013 ALDS. Yes. To, to, make, to go on to a beer-making <laughs> yes. career, uh, career, so that's good. Well, I'm happy for him. Uh, unfortunately, he's on a crap bag team now. Yeah. Padres, is that where he I is I believe now? so, playing yeah. first base. So Yeah. Hey, you know, he's getting paid living in San Diego to play baseball. That's true. There's no, worse things. That, that's not a bad way to make a living. Doesn't have to boot the ball in right field at Fenway anymore. That's true. Yeah, that's, that's tough. All right. Well, I appreciate it. I appreciate the Thank info. You for the time. This yes. was this was a good. I think I got what I wanted out of this. I hope anyone listening. I have to sell it the right way. I have to package it the right way. But so they will get what they need out of it too. But yeah. well, I think your intro to this is is going to be. There's a lot of pressure. Key. There's yeah. a lot of pressure on yeah, that. That's big. So anyone listening now already heard the intro. So they're like, no, that intro sucked. <laughs> We're lucky to have gotten here. So we'll see. We'll see. I'll record that. Oh, a lot of pressure. I a lot of pressure. I, I I trust that you can you can step up though. All right. I think you can do I appreciate it. that. Yeah. All right. Mark Goodman, craft beer seller. Anything else, any any business we gotta take care of? We we good with uh with everything? You you get your, your promotions in I think we said craft beer seller enough. Craft beer seller, yes. Uh nine thousand locations uh, around the country. In a few years, maybe. Yeah. Uh there's a just, lot locally though, so uh, there is, yeah. No, three in Boston proper, Fenway, uh Fort Point and Roslindale. Um we have uh thirty three across the country now, but uh, the bulk of them are, are here in Massachusetts. If I could just say maybe the Massachusetts yeah, sure. stores, Belmont, Winchester, Newton, Braintree, Plymouth, Norfolk, Framingham, Westford, Amesbury, Swampscott, and the three in Boston I mentioned, Fenway, Four Point, and Roslindale. Uh, and if you're not from Boston, if you're going elsewhere, if you go to craftbeerseller.com, uh, you can search for a store near you. There's a couple in California, in the LA area. We've got one in Fort Collins, Colorado, where... We're all over. There you go. Yes. Smart. Does anyone ever confuse Cambridge Beer Company with Craft Beer Cellar, given the CBC? Uh, not. Uh, I don't think I just, so. I just would have just created a confusion. So let's let's. let's you may have started it. That's well, my we fault. made a. Uh, we did a collaboration beer a few years ago. It's called CBC Squared. I feel like I had that. Yeah. I feel like I got that one. It was a it was a hoppy hefeweizen. I believe. It yeah. It was it was really really quite good. We make it a point to say that. Cambridge Brewing Company is CBC One. They're they are the original. We are we're CBC Two. That's nice. Yeah, I like a humble humble group. Well, we're we're good friends with them. So good. Uh, yeah, no, we try to, we try to stay humble. All right. Well, let's do that, Mark. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Well, there you have it, Mark Goodman. I want to thank him for coming in from Craft Beer Cellar, helping us out find the summer beer. And I think it was helpful. I think there was one for every range of experience when it comes to to beer drinking and, and diving into that world. Uh, from from some of the more basic to a beer that honestly is one that would scare me if it was on the shelf. So it was good to, to get to know these things that otherwise I would never ask 
uh, someone at a store because I'd be too embarrassed and I would just get what I know. So uh, to recap, the eight beers, we've got the Jack's Abbey House Lager, the Mayflower Summer, the Allagash Hoppy Table Beer, the Dogfish Head Festine Pesh, the Anderson Valley G&T Gosa, which I have a can of, so I scored a beer from this. Jealous. Uh, we've got the Slum Brew Happy Soul, uh, the Perzig Saison from Avery Brewing, and the San Luis Goose Lambic. I already forget how to pronounce it, but it's spelled like a crazy amount of G's and U's and E's and Z's. Go ahead and try that one. I want to thank Mark and Craft Beer Cellar for helping me out with this. I hope if you listened through, it was helpful. I hope you got what you wanted out of it. And I, ho- I thank you for listening. If you want to, you know, go ahead and give that subscribe button the, on iTunes. If you want to give a little rating, tell me, uh, you know, what you think, as long as it's positive. Because I really, I don't respond well to negative commentary, folks. It's not, it's not good when the negative comments come in. It's not good. So thank you for checking it out. I, I really appreciate it. I hope this is helpful through your summer cookouts. Uh, Programming-wise, I'm going to go ahead and let this one ride out the week of July 4th. I'm not going to bother anyone in the middle of July 4th week. It's just not a good idea strategy-wise to uh, to go ahead and push through that. Maybe I'll talk to you, but I, I will not have a guest next week. We'll, we'll, we'll play that one by ear. But that's th- this, is, this is the July 4th week episode. Thanks for checking it out. I'll be back the following week, which is my birthday week, so I expect presents in the mail from all of you. Thank you. Thank you.